Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. Welcome to the Michigan District Family Camp Meeting Opening Service. My name is Brad Dernis, and I'm the new District Superintendent for the State of Michigan. And I'm excited that you are with us, and I just can't, uh, can't contain my joy that we get to gather together, whether it's virtually across our district as we livecast this service, or it is uh, here in the tabernacle where we get to experience life together. And uh, you have learned how to do this in the last year and a half, and we are experiencing the opportunity to gather together. Even if we're not in the same place. So here we are at the campgrounds in Vicksburg, Michigan, and we have been we will be here for all week for family camp and all the things that are part of that and our district assembly Uh, ordination service is Sunday night tonight and that's at six o'clock and we are ordaining 16 new pastors and we are also giving the first time district license to eight brand new uh, folks who are beginning their journey what it means to be a pastor. We're glad you with, you're with us today, and it has been two years since we gathered here at this campground. Two years since our district has been able to be together, to worship, to sing, to pray together, and we're excited that, that you are with us this morning. Uh, these last three weeks, we have had camps here at Indian Lake, and we've had over 350 campers from kindergarten all the way through high school, and we've had a great, great time uh, challenging worship, uh, fun time playing together and hanging out together and great fellowship. And Indian Lake is a sacred place where we can experience recreation, uh, we can build relationships, and we can have spiritual renewal. And I pray that you get to experience the lake and as uh, God speaks to us as his people gather together. And this service is just the start of all that's happening this week. There will be a uh, uh, um, services webcast all week, and you can go to, to uh, the uh, Indian Lake uh Website and find out how you can come and be a part of that if you want to be here in person, or you can uh, go online and go to the the Mid uh, Michigan Nazarene Michigan District Nazarene YouTube channel, and uh, you can do that. And we certainly want to uh, to invite you to be a part of that. Well, this morning at 7:30. People gathered in the tabernacle to pray. And they've been doing that ever since Memorial Day. Uh, they've gathered here to pray for what's happening here on this campus. They're gathered here for, for prayer for our students, for our staff, for our workers, that God would speak to us and encourage us and help us to experience his voice as we, uh, as we're gathered together. So we're, we're ready and we're hoping that you are ready as well. And we're glad that you're with us. And I believe that God has something to say to us. So we're going to start with some worship and uh, we'll have some prayer as well. And then you'll have a message, our opening family camp message. And I'm looking forward to all that God is going to say to us today. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For the God of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty 
are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord the glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Sing with me. 
Well, as you get to know me, as we have experienced life together, you will discover that I'm a person that likes coffee. I like coffee that comes from a, a fancy coffee shop. I like coffee that comes from the pot at my house. I, uh, I just like coffee, and it's a great way to start my day and probably helps me focus. But the other morning, I went to, uh, to Starbucks before I had an appointment, and it was early in the morning. It was before 6 o'clock, and uh, I was just going to start the day with a cup of coffee, and uh, I got to the coffee shop, and I, I'm always kind of watching what happens at a Starbucks because my daughter used to work there. And so I always thought it was interesting, all the interactions that go on there and the warm, friendly uh, atmosphere, and they call me by name. Well, it's because I told them my name, but they call me by name, and I didn't get a number. I got a, I got a cup with my name on it, and uh, he asked me why I was up at 5.50 in the morning. And, uh, and then he asked if I was having a good day, and I said, well, I guess so far it's pretty early. It hasn't really started much. But uh, as I was sitting there uh, waiting for my cup of coffee to be made, I was uh, looking through a brochure that I found on the table about career opportunities at uh, Starbucks. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not looking for a job. Uh, it just the card stood out to me because this is what it says. Create community and make a difference in someone's day. They were inviting people to apply for a job at Starbucks and uh, they never mentioned coffee at all. They said, we want to create a place where community happens and you can encourage someone or make someone's day because of that. Well, as my daughter and I talked about uh, her coffee experience at Starbucks as a barista, uh, she told, told me that there are people that come to uh, Starbucks with a very specific agenda. They want their coffee at a certain temperature. Uh, they want a certain kind of cream or whatever else. As, uh, if it's skinny, that means no fat if they, if they have that option or whatever else. And, uh, and they just have all kinds of stuff. They even made coffee for dogs. Uh, her store was in a kind of a spiffy part of Kansas City area while she was going to seminary. And uh, her customers ex- expected a lot when they showed up at Starbucks. They didn't just want a cup of coffee or a cup of joe. They wanted an experience. And if experience is what you want in coffee, then Starbucks has the market on that. Uh, that's their target. And they will do everything to make that happen. One said, uh, if you go to Starbucks, it's really more like saying, I'm going to go to five bucks. Or if you take a friend, it's ten bucks, maybe even more. But because they sell more than coffee, Starbucks uh, uh, uses coffee to promote connections. So Starbucks is the cheers of this generation. Now, maybe you don't even know what cheers is. It was an old TV show where, where it was about a bar and they said that it's a great place to come because everyone's glad you came and everyone calls you by name. And, uh, and they experienced life together and they shared life together and, and they're always glad that you're there. A few years ago, I came across a passage in the book of Acts that spoke to my heart about that kind of community. I was reading in the message translation or the message paraphrase. And in Acts chapter 20, verse 32, it says this. Paul, speaking to the church of Ephesus before he gets ready to go on another adventure. He says this. I'm turning you over to God, our marvelous God whose gracious word can make you what he wants you to be and give you everything you need in this community of holy friends. 
Now, if you flipped open your Bible to that passage, you might be disappointed that I chose to use the message translation. Because in the uh, NIV or the King, King James Version, it says, among those who are being sanctified. And good Nazarenes love to use that phrase when we're talking about what does it mean to be holy. And it's a part of our heritage and certainly has great value. But the idea is this, this call to be holy friends, to be invited to be holy friends and to experience what God is calling us to experience in the midst of this. So in Matthew chapter 10, verse 40, Jesus says that we are to be intimately linked in the work together. In John chapter 15, verse 5, Jesus says that we are to be connected to the vine and we are the branches. Maybe you remember singing that song at camp or at VBS. He's the vine, I'm the branches, and we did all those kind of things. But this holy friends is a focus to be set apart for God for his plan, for us, and our obedience. So he is inviting us to experience what he has made us to do. And he says to us that we do that in community. In uh, uh, John chapter 15, verse 13, it says, There is no greater love than this, that a, a man would lay down his life for one of his friends. And Jesus uh, is speaking of a loving, intimate relationship that we have with him, not by our efforts, but by his sacrifice. And then he invites us not only to uh, experience his provision, his mercy, his intimate connection with us, but he invites us also to be connected to one another. This is the way of life, not to just have the promise of heaven, but it is life here today to be connected by God's power, to be strengthened and made complete in a relationship of holy friends. So it seems to be a theme in Scripture. In fact, as I, as I read through Scripture, I see this over and over again. In John chapter 13, it says these words in verse 34. Let me give you a new command. Love one another. The same way I have loved you. This is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples. When you, they see the love that you have for each other, they will know that you are my disciples. In John chapter 15, he says, it's my command, love one another the way I have loved you. And this is the very best way to love, to put your life on, your, on the line for your friends. In Acts chapter 1, verse 14, it says, they agreed and they were in this for good, completely together in prayer, the women included, it says. Also, Jesus' mother and, and Mary and his brothers. In Acts chapter 4, a passage you're very familiar with, it says this, The whole congregation of believers was united as one, one in heart and in mind. They didn't even claim ownership of their own possessions. No one said, that's mine, you can't have it. They shared everything. And the apostles gave powerful witness to the resurrection of the Master Jesus. And grace was on all of them. In Acts chapter 5, it says this, verse 12, Though through the work of the apostles, many God's signs were set up among the people. Many wonderful things were done. And they all met together regularly in remarkable harmony. Well, you listen to the band sing today, and they can sing in amazing harmony. And it's so good when that, that song just blends, and God invites us to blend in that same kind of way. In Romans chapter 14, it says, Welcome with open arms, fellow believers who don't always see things the way you do. 
Well, we've experienced some of that in the last few years, our last few months, haven't we? And God is inviting us into a relationship where we are connected, where we are connected even when we disagree. We are connected for a kingdom purpose. And it is in that connection by God's grace and his power working in us and through us and through one another that we become a community of holy friends. Now, this is not a new principle in Scripture. In fact, if you go back to the very beginning of your Bible, in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, when God creates the world, and He looks at all of creation, and He says, this is good, up to the, uh, to the evaluation of man. Light was good. Night was good. Trees were good. Plants were good. Even cows were good. And then when God looked at man, He said this, It is not good for man to be alone. Not that man was ugly or incomplete uh, in his gender. In fact, God made man and he said all of these things were very good. But he said in chapter 2, verse 18, it is not good for man to be alone. Now, I've heard this and probably used this many times in a wedding sermon, talking about the fact that God brings us together as a husband and wife. But the reality is, is this is so much more than just a passage about a husband and wife. This is not just about being married versus being single. If we look at the context of this statement, man, uh, God placed man in the garden, gave him incredible freedom. Eat any tree you want, of anything you want. Go anywhere, do anything, but don't eat from this one single tree. This was before the fall that God said it is not good for man to be alone. Adam was still in perfect union with God. There was no sin in this relationship. And yet God said that Adam needed someone else. And God says, here are my blessings. Here are my expectations. Here is the call to live in obedience. And then along came the temptation to rebel. And we have this this implied list of do's. We have the do's, but we have this implied list of don'ts as well. So there Adam stood alone with his call to obey God. And the father looks down and says, there's something missing. Adam needs someone by his side. And God made us uh, with a God-shaped hole for him in our heart. But I believe, and apparently he also made a human-shaped hole that God does not fill. And he makes us uh, in, this, uh, uh, in this relationship of a community of holy friends. That's where we find that fulfillment. And Solomon, the wisest man in the world, in Ecclesiastes, he's, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, he says this, Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. In Mark chapter 6, Jesus sends his disciples out two by two, calling the twelve of them, and he sent them out two by two, and he gave them authority over the evil spirits. And Jesus also said in Matthew chapter 18, verse 19, again, I tell you that even if two of you agree with anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For there, for where two or three come together in my name, I am with them. Someone said, We can't be believers without being in relationship with other believers. Well, that may be overstated. 
But I'm coming to believe that a deep relationship with Christ is dependent on not only uh, my connection with the Father, but also my connection with other believers, especially in the area of my obedience to God's call. In a book called Creating Community by a guy named Andy Andy Stanley, he says this, When we aren't in meaningful relationships, we suffer natural consequences. When we are alone, we oftentimes lose perspective. In Acts chapter 20, verse 31, it says, Be on your guard. I have never stopped warning you, even with my tears. Paul told them that he was, uh, that, that I am your watchman, uh, and I watch, I want to invite you to watch out for one another to help keep your perspective. In our valleys, and even in our mountaintops, we don't always see things as they really are. Our failures are either uh, seem not as big a deal as they may be, or oftentimes they feel worse than they really are. And even though, uh, uh, even in our, our successes, we, we don't get the grand picture of that when we're outside of community. Another place Paul tells the same believers in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, he says this, We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against rulers, evil rulers, authorities in this unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits, even in the heavenly places. And we need each other's help to get us back to true north. This past year and a half, has been a challenge for us. We were told to stay home, stay distanced. And I get it. Nobody wants to get sick. I didn't want to get sick either, or or even to the point of death. It's been a hard year for our churches and for our district. We haven't had to make life and death choices like this, at least not in our country. But now, if we meet, someone might get sick. Someone might even die. And so we wrestled with that and things we never had to wrestle before. And as many as different responses, as we had as many different responses as we have churches. Uh, watch on the website, meet outside, sit six feet apart or maybe even more, wear a mask or don't wear a mask. And as a pastor's and wives retreat, we gathered together and we were in the same hotel, but we had to have four different rooms. So we, we live casted to four different rooms. Never had ever done that before. We sang the songs, uh, uh, all the verses, did all the announcements and prayer uh, at, at one church. And uh, the, the, the pastor, Deb and I were the only people at church that Sunday morning. The pastor walked up to his pulpit. He opened his phone, turned it on, made a phone call. He says, hi, Sue, we're going to start church in a couple minutes. I'm going to put you on hold while I gather the rest of the family. And he kept calling five, six, seven different families. And he preached his message to his phone at the pulpit. They didn't have cameras. They didn't have the opportunity to do what we're doing this morning. He just spoke to his church. And he prayed for his church. And you could tell he loved his church. They sang songs together. And all of the verses... And Deb and I were the only people sitting in the sanctuary. That was it. It was us and pastor. And it was quite the adventure. Uh, the reality is, is that uh, we have had to, to deal with things in ways that we never have had to deal with them before. But now, even now, people are having trouble getting back into the routine. One said, in the era, the era of the church is past. It's run its course. Maybe it's time to shut the doors permanently. We can do this anytime we want. While we discovered afresh that the church isn't a building, 
we've also seen that we miss a lot when we're not together. The isolation, uh, because of the isolations, people went out and got a dog so they could at least go take their dog for a walk and had a reason to go outside and wave at their neighbors. Do you remember those days? Being alone has some value, but being isolated as believers puts us in a place where we don't have all that God created us to have. He invites us to be a part of a community of holy friends. And in that relationship with one another, we experience all that God has for us. Isolation also pr- uh, promotes a fear of intimacy. This idea that, that uh, I, I, can, I can worship God on my couch. Uh, you really don't know what I'm like. You really don't know what I sound like when I sing. I can, I can be by myself and it, it feels safe and In the midst of that isolation, sometimes people felt that way. In fact, some people are still sitting on their couch watching church because they don't want to go inside the building. Love is risky, but it pays great rewards. When we gather together, we experience all that God has for us in this community of holy friends. Isolation also promotes selfishness. Isolation breeds this, this spirit where it's about my agenda, my schedule, my needs, my desires, my TV show, uh, my, my snacks. It's all those kind of things. It's all about me. And what we have learned is that domestic violence during this time has increased because the tensions at home were, 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 were challenging. And what we have discovered is that's been true in the church as well. Should we meet? We can't meet now. Who, who cares what the governor says? Oh, we can't do anything different than the CDC. Our agenda and our, our precedents are being upset by a lot of things. And, and in the midst of all of that, we blow off steam with one another. And, and churches have had to figure out how to work through some hard stuff during this time. And even to do that through meetings that were, they were not even in the same room. Third thing that uh, isolation often does is it, it promotes poor health. In my home office, it was way too close to the refrigerator. It was way too close to the TV, to the distractions that, that would get me in trouble, and I couldn't even go to the gym, and it was easy to sleep in and stay up late. And I, I even, and my wife will laugh at this, I even tried to cut my own hair. Anyone else try to do that? My wife said, don't do that again, Brad. That's not how we're going to do this. But she won't cut my hair. I don't know. I'm in trouble, right? But God created uh, humanity in his image and to have a relationship with us. And God models community in the midst of the Trinity. He invites us to do the same, to have that same kind of connection. And living life alone does not accurately reflect the one in whose image we were made. Henry Cloud said this, God created us with a hunger for relationship, for relationship with him and with our fellow people. And at the core of who we are, we are relational people. So what is the benefits of being in close relationship with one another? Well, let me go back to that passage I read to you a moment ago in Acts chapter 20, verse 32. Again, reading from the message. Paul says, I'm turning you over to our God, our marvelous God, whose gracious word can make you into everything, into what he wants you to be and give you everything you could possibly need in this community of holy friends. So let's break that down for a minute. His word can make you. 
We are shaped by both God's hand and by the hand and his word. And we are shaped by the hands of those in whom we are in community with. God invites us to experience life together, to be shaped together by his word and by our relationships with one another. He also says he, he will give us what he wants us to be. We have a better understanding of what God is trying to do in our lives when we have someone to bounce it off of. We have a better understanding when we can, can look at the word and say, what are you hearing God say in that? How can I be shaped by your understanding of what God is speaking to us through the word? That's why we have small groups. That's why we have Sunday school classes. That's why the pastor opens the Bible every Sunday morning and preaches to you from the Bible and tells you what God wants us to be. He gives us directions on how life Life is supposed to be, and we get that in this community, this relationship. And he gives us, and listen to what he says, he gives us what we need, everything we need in this community of holy friends. And then he says, it is in this relationship that we are becoming holy or set apart. Not perfect in this community of holy friends, but being among those who are being sanctified. Now there is a, a phrase in the in the in the Greek language that 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 reminds us more about a a process than it does a, an instantaneous moment. That doesn't mean it doesn't start someplace. Yes, I have to come to this place where I say, I want to be set apart in your kingdom. I surrender, I submit, I, I connect with you in this, this invitation of holiness. But it is in our relationship with one another that we see that expand. It is in our relationship with one another that we experience what God has called us to do. And what would happen if we embrace the truth of community? As a church, in our small group, in our Sunday school class, even across our district, what would happen if we sought to help one another rather than to isolate, to inspire rather than compete? In the next few days while we are gathered, we're going we're gonna to hear about what God has called us to be. He has called us as a Michigan District Church of the Nazarene to be people who are praying, people who are connecting, people who are strengthening, and people who are expanding his kingdom. And we are in this together. I believe uh, Starbucks, as good as it is, isn't the method that God had in mind to create community. Starbucks, as good as that coffee tastes, is not what God intended for us to experience community in. He invites us to experience community and to make a difference in someone's life as we, the church, gather together, as we reflect his kingdom. We are the church, and the church is the last, best hope of the world. In a book called Courageous Leadership, these words are spoken. There's nothing like a local church when it's working right. Its beauty is indescribable. Its power is breathtaking. Its potential is unlimited. It comforts the grieving and heals the broken in the context of community. It builds bridges to seekers and opens its arms to the forgotten, to the downtrodden, and to the disillusioned. It breaks the chains of addiction, frees the oppressed, and offers belonging to the marginalized in this world. The potential of the local church is almost more than we could possibly understand. God has invited us to experience, to experience everything we need 
in this community of holy friends. And I believe God has called us to that as a district. God has called us that as a local congregation. God has called us to that in our small groups. God is inviting us to experience all that he intends for us as we connect in this holy connection, this holy relationship with one another. Let me pray for our district as we close. Our gracious Father, we thank you for the history that is represented in the district, Michigan District Church of the Nazarene. We thank you for this sacred place where we have gathered and will be gathering this, this next week at Indian Lake. And it has a special place in our hearts. Father, the, the special place is not because of the water of the lake. The special place is not because of the dirt or the rocks of the ground. The special place is not even because of the buildings that have history and story to them. But the specialness of this place is this: this is where we can meet you. And this is where together we can experience your voice, your call, your challenge, to be a community of holy friends. Father, we pray that you'll help us to be the best hope of the world, to offer the kingdom story to those who are disillusioned, to those who are broken, to those who are hurting, and even to those who sit down the pew from us. Help us to experience kingdom life together as we say yes to you and as we grab one another's arms and walk together in this invitation to be a community of holy friends. We look forward to all that you're going to say to us over the next few days as we have gathered together at family camp. We pray that you will challenge us and inspire us, that you'll help us to build new connections and new friendships. And Father, we pray especially for those who are uh, setting out on the journey of ordination and, and making that, that, that huge step, that milestone in their ministry. Father, we pray your blessing on them even today. And Father, for those who are just getting started, and maybe for those whom you are going to call while we are gathered together, help us to be obedient to your invitation to be a part of building your kingdom, not alone by ourselves, but together in relationship. In Jesus' strong name I pray. Amen.
Thank you, Pastor Sharon and our worship team as they have led us in music. And let us just take a moment and pray together. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you long to do in the life of your people. You want to continue to build the kingdom mentality in our hearts and in our actions. And Father, we just pray this morning for the 67 churches of the Michigan District Church of the Nazarene. We pray that you will bless them and encourage them, that you will continue to provide for them. And we thank you for the remarkable ways that you have helped us through this pandemic. And as we're coming down to the to the uh, the ending of that and beginning to experience some things back to normal or at least close to normal, we just pray for your spirit to guide and direct us and unite us as we gather together. We pray for our pastors who have been challenged this year in ways that they never were trained to be challenged. We pray for our lay people that you will bless them and encourage them and strengthen them. And we pray for all that happens during this coming week. The words that we will hear from your heart, the words we will hear from the, the scripture as we are challenged to be people who are being drawn closer to you. People who are praying, people who are connecting with one another, people who are uh, growing and being strengthened in our faith, and people who are learning and following the command to expand your kingdom. Father, we just pray that you will continue to experience or help us to experience your voice in our lives. And Father, we uh, pray that even through this webcast, even through the, the, the virtual experience, that we will have a sense of your presence corporately as a district, and that we will understand what you are calling us to do, how you're inviting us to not only uh, reach our neighbor, but to strengthen and disciple those who are a part of our church family now. So Father, we ask that all that happens in this time together, that we will be drawn close to you. We thank you for your provision over these last two years. It's been remarkable. And Father, we just pray that you will help us to experience and be ready to hear what you would say to us as a church. In Jesus' name. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week.